Hello and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is episode 143. John and Wendy talk to Jeff Shapiro. I'm your host, John. And I'm Wendy. How are you, John? Wendy, I am well, and it is hard to believe we're here in middle of November. We have a special episode coming up mm-hmm. at the end of the year. Some of you are thinking, well, maybe it's 150. No, that comes out in January. Yeah. For us, 149 is special because you, the listeners, are going to ask the questions. Yes. Once again, ask us anything. (laughs) We typically try to do this every six months or so. I thought that last session of AMA questions was incredibly entertaining. So much fun. Hopefully people didn't learn everything so that they can come back and ask us more (laughs) for sure. I don't. Th- I think I still have some some secrets to share. I don't know about oh, you. Oh, but, you know, oh, 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 there might be well, some things. Enough. Maybe I'll have to slide some things in with a <laughs> somebody's fake name then. Maybe we'll John Doeaps. You, know, you know what? We might have to do that. Okay. Hmm. Well, here's what we're going to ask. So this show comes out in mid-November. We are asking people to submit questions to us yep. no later than December fourth. Mm-hmm. You can email them. You can direct message them. You can tweet them. You can put them on Facebook. All of our platforms message us. We're going to be sharing in all the different platforms. Again, we need them by December 4th. What we will do is just like our other shows, I'm going to say it up front so people know, because I think sometimes they forget, we will answer the questions, but we're also going to do a giveaway. Yes, we are. We're going to do something a little different this time. We'll share it at episode 149 as far as what that giveaway is. Yeah. But to be eligible for that giveaway, you have to submit a question. Yep. Any question. Any question at all. But we might edit. <laughs> we do reserve the right to edit. Yeah. I don't think, though, in the time that we've done this, I don't think we've ever shied away from any of the questions. Kate Bischoff had some squirrely ones. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, don't, I don't know what kind of tree I want to be when I grow up. I don't know. Well, your favorite socks. Yes. Oh, yes. That socks. I forgot about that. <laughs> We're throwing down the gauntlet. You have until December 4th to share those questions. We're going to remind you up until then, unless we edit, we will include them in episode 149. And believe it or not, Wendy, that show comes out on New Year's Eve. Oh, my gosh. What a way to party is to right? party with us, listening to how party we with answer the your hour. questions. Ask us anything and you will get the answer. So don't listen in the morning. Listen in the evening. There you go. Glass of wine, glass of beer. Whatever you like to have in your glass, listen to us answer your questions. I'm looking forward to it. It'll be It's going to be a blast. It's going to be a blast. So excited. No, it's out there and you don't have to tag it or anything. Just you can send it. Yep. As excited as I am about 149 and asking those questions, I'm really excited about tonight's guest. Yes. We've gotten to know him over the last many months and I had a chance to catch up with Jeff prior to our session tonight. It's interesting, Wendy, you may remember this. He actually tweeted that one of his goals for the end of the year was to appear on HR Social Hour. (laughs) I will put this out there. If you are listening and you want to take part, contact us and let's talk because that conversation led to this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to stop talking, (laughs) let you make the introduction. We will get started. I am so, so excited to welcome Jeff to the show tonight. He is an experienced talent acquisition leader who deeply believes in challenging the status quo. His professional philosophy is rooted in possessing a bias to action in conjunction with anticipation of customer needs. Jeff has spent 15 years in healthcare and currently works as the director of talent acquisition with a publicly traded organization consisting of 8,000 plus employees from coast to coast. 
Even after 15 years in recruitment, Jeff's passion for people, strategic thinking, and decision-making is infectious. Teaching the importance of innovation and accountability, his team took it upon themselves to create a Jeffrey Shapiro mission statement. Adapt, react, project, plan, implement, make mistakes, learn, repeat. He believes just because something has always been done that way does not make it the right way. And Jeffrey is a man in the arena. Jeff, we're going to have so much fun tonight, so much in common with you, and we're going to have to make sure we we keep ourselves in check a little bit. Don't go down too many rabbit holes. But first question, what is in your glass? Tonight, I am drinking a Michter's 10 Rye. Oh. Something special for you guys. After all, it is episode 143. So. Yes, it is. <laughs> I haven't had a rye. I don't think we've had anybody with a rye I don't think we have. Wow. Look at that. The first of many things. That's great. Jeff, you and I, like I said, we've spoken before. We certainly see what you're doing out there. How, though, did you get your start in talent acquisition? I think my answer is probably similar to more than 50% of the people in our field. It did not happen by design. It was by accident. I did not grow up wanting to be a recruiter. I actually come out of allied health and then healthcare operations. So way back when, I started as a medical assistant. I then moved into the operational side and became a site manager. Then recessions came along and I was in corporate medicine. I was laid off. Working on my resume, I connected with a recruiter who was willing to work with me and skill sell me to any of their clients. And it led to a very candid conversation with, based on my lack of degree, my earning potential in healthcare in operations was going to be a hurdle that I just was not going to be comfortable with. And it turned into, have I ever thought about recruiting? So I jumped in on recruiting from day one, spent the day on the phone observing and just fell in love with it from the agency side. I was very blessed to have a client approach me about just why don't we bring you in-house? Why do we keep paying all these fees when we can just (laughs) build a department? So then I joined a startup as employee number 70, spent five years there. When I left, they were at about 3,500. And now for the past year, I have been with my current organization, RadNet, which is a much larger publicly traded entity of roughly 8,200 employees. I like that you were able to find something that fits who you are without having to jump through too many hoops, go get this degree, go get that education. You know, we can we can use your skill set in the way that you currently have it. So I like that. I will openly admit I am blessed. I have forever said part of recruiting is just right time, right place, getting hit with the lucky stick. Some of it might be my skill. A lot of it could be personality. But I, I also <laughs> recognize there is some luck in just talking to the right people at the right time. That is very true. I think many of us who have been on this show, John and I included, would say that same thing, quite honestly. You have spent most of your career in healthcare, as have I. So that's why I'm like, oh man, how have we not connected before, Jeff? I don't know. Yeah. What specific challenges have you seen in your time with Radnet, especially now in the advent of COVID-19, that have surprised you? I'm going to give you two different answers. So one would be like specific challenges that I've noticed in my first 11 months at the organization. And then second, I'll say, will be more COVID-related. So number one, what shocked me is at 340 locations across eight states, the amount of work that goes into educating operational folks on how to calibrate when evaluating talent 
was a major opportunity for us. So how a hiring manager in New Jersey regards talent compared to Florida, if we're talking about the same job for the same location, we should all be looking for the same things. So there was a lot of education on how to evaluate talent through behavioral interview processes, situations, using past performance instead of just the antiquated meet three, pick the one I like best. So that was number one. In terms of COVID related, uh, anybody who knows me knows I am a planner. I try to work at minimum three months ahead of time, just with projections and being more proactive than responsive. And that threw me as a very organized OCD person for a major loop. Our patient volume plummeted. Recruitment was put on hold and no recruiter ever wants to put anything on hold. You want to keep those wheels moving. So that was a huge challenge. Then the other half of the challenge is how quickly and how unprepared we were for the ramp up in recovering patient value, that we are now at 114% what we thought we would be seeing. So people are coming back and we were not prepared for it at all. I will openly admit we missed there. Jeff, when you talk about the lack of consistency when it came to reviewing talent from place to place and people to people, are most of these leaders that you're dealing with, are they seasoned coming from different places? Are they seasoned within the organization? Any kind of through line in terms of the lack of consistency? Or is it just, eh, to your point earlier, I do what I do and it is what it is? It's a great thing to think about. And I have looked at it. We have managers that people were moved into management roles based on high performing in their role, being a leader without a title, people just being a go-to. And then we also have the seniority, the tenure of people that have been here for 15, 20, 30 plus years. So there is no one glaring thing. The one glaring thing that has stuck out to me is the reason I am in my organization and the role is they clearly identified we don't know what we don't know. And talent acquisition was being run by traditional human resources. There was no, for lack of better words, SME in the world of talent acquisition to do these educational sessions, to really teach people what we're looking for, to use data to influence decisions and get people thinking about assessing talent, staffing and recruiting being two very different things. There's been a lot of educating. Wendy, we seem to be having this conversation a lot these days, aren't we? (laughs) (laughs) A repeating theme of late. Yes, very much so. (laughs) Just sitting here thinking of picturing people in my head. Jeff, obviously, as you educate the leadership team and and those that are hiring, you're also working with recruiters and with talent acquisition pros that aren't as seasoned, maybe barely know how to turn on the computer. I don't know. I mean, everybody's at a different place in their career. If you had the opportunity to share some advice with somebody else that is particularly working with less experienced TA pros to improve their recruiting skills, what would you tell them? What are some things that you've done in your tenure with RadNet that you feel like have yielded some success and grown those people's skill sets? A big area of opportunity for TA partners, I think, is perfecting and honing their screening notes. And by that, I mean, before you hit submit, before you send it over to your internal hiring managers, read your notes and ask yourself, if you are the hiring manager, what, if any, outstanding questions do you have before you decide if you were going to meet this person? And if you can come up with questions, ask yourself, why didn't I get those answers ahead of time? When you're sending screening notes, if managers are consistently asking the same questions, you need to incorporate those questions into your intake and screening. 
So that's where the anticipating of needs kicks in. Screening notes tell a lot. And I only say this because I come out of operations. So I look at it like a healthcare operator. There are things I want to know that I know a recruiter is not going to know care about. So in healthcare, when do you'll get this patient volume is a big deal to me. A candidate who thinks 20 patients per day is busy when they're expected to see 70 per day <laughs> in my site, that's a huge myth. I, I, I don't care how great you are when it comes to a culture fit. How are you going to convince me that you're going to 3x your output? So screening notes is a big one. I think TA partners need to really hone and own that last word in our job title partners. We got to get away from being order takers. And that comes with resistance. It comes with a lot of accountability and integrity. Ask questions, push back on non-realistic deliverables, really learn your business. Think about what you are doing as if you were an operator. So learn the business. I, I think a good TA partner could pretend to be a site manager if they had to in a bind. I, I could pretend to get in there and run the show for one day if I needed to, because I know enough about the business. Sit in on operations meetings. And the biggest thing is just really being a partner. And that's going to come with behavior change. So this is not a, you could flip a switch overnight, but if you hold yourself to these values and you really learn the business and ask questions and you use data to influence decisions, you're really being a partner. And that is a long uphill battle. Behavior change is hard, but that's the best piece of advice I can give. Screening notes and really learn the business. I think those are great points I have seen in my tenure, particularly when you show that interest and you want to learn the business, while it is a challenge, you're going to get that buy-in if those folks know that you're serious. One of the things you mentioned is that you will have your more junior folks interview you and, and you'll take a, a file or a resume and I do kind of get it, which Wendy, I don't know about you. I, I thought that was a really yeah. great way to do it. Let's flip the script here. And so you're talking to me. There is something to be said for if you're engaging and you're serious and you're in, and you're listening and paying attention you will go so much further with that management team mm -hmm. in, in terms of getting that buy-in down the road. For sure. You know, and if they know you care, they're going to listen to you when you make your suggestions. And, and when you have those opportunities where you need to push back, that's when they're going to listen to you because they trust you. So love that, Jeff. Love that a lot. It's not a popular statement. I get that. I get a lot of pushback on it, but I have mm -hmm. very recently changed my thoughts. So I used to believe that hiring managers are customers too. I no longer think of them as a customer. They're a partner. They deserve customer service, but they are not a customer. They don't have a choice. They don't have anybody else right. they can work with. They must work <laughs> with my team. A customer has a choice. That is true. A customer has a choice. Yep. My patients are customers. They have a choice. They don't need to come to Radnet. They could go somewhere else. Their experience does matter. They're not going to come back. The hiring manager must come back. Got to have the difficult conversations. You got to have that radical candor. You have to challenge them, let them know when they're going down the wrong path. It's still their decision. But I could rest my head at night if I spoke up and said what you are doing or about to do or looking to do is actually a disservice. And here is why. Uh, I love that. I've been meaning to have a larger conversation. There's a couple of us that were talking about our hiring managers, your customer. We might need to do that in 2021. That might need to be a panel discussion. All right. Well, Jeff, you, we found you or you found us on social media. You've gotten a lot more active in the last year. What prompted you to ramp up your engagement on social media and what's the best thing that's come out of it for you? The low hanging fruit there is what's the best thing to come out of it. Like the past eight months, it's hard to find the silver lining. But for me, it's finding like-minded folks, knowing I am not alone 
in my beliefs and how I operate, how I run my team, how I think about talent acquisitions, finding where you belong. Like I hate to go mm-hmm. Brene Brown, but I love Brene. So finding where you belong, <laughs> your tribe. So that is a huge win. If nothing else good comes out of the past eight months, the group of people that I would now consider friends that I've connected with just based on social media interactions, having go-to meetings, Zooms, just talking to people about the business in not even healthcare, just anybody in HR, TA, total rewards. That's a huge win. Why I've gotten more active, I am blessed to report to somebody who has very openly told me my voice and my opinion and how I feel is exactly why I am here. So it's been encouraged for me to get out there, be on shows like this, to during the downtime when we weren't recruiting, to get out there. And instead of just talking about TA, I I made sure my team got out there and did whatever we can to help job seekers. New current grads, they are major adjustments. They don't know how to interview on web-based. They are used to getting into a site face-to-face. We've done resume advice. We've done video interviewing. We have done good cop, bad cop, where here's what career coaches are telling you. And here's in reality what I am actually looking for. So it's really giving back to people as opposed to just TA and HR is why I've gotten much more involved in HR because job seekers right now are at a major disadvantage. They don't know who to trust, who not to trust. Just because somebody has 7,000 followers doesn't mean their thought leader, (laughs) career coach advice is sound advice. So we we need people to really care about humans because it's really what we do In, in talent acquisition. What we talk about and what we care about are people. What we all need to start recognizing is when we're looking at a resume, we're actually talking about a human being. So that piece of paper represents somebody, which is really why I've gotten much more involved in social media. Awesome. Well, Jeff, it is now time for everyone's favorite part of our show, the half hour question connection. What career did you dream of having when you were a child? When I was a child, you have to promise not to laugh. I wanted to be a giraffe doctor. And I do not mean... I do not mean a vet that specialized in giraffes. I mean, I wanted to be an actual giraffe that was a doctor. How does one land on that wow. as a career choice? Yeah. I don't know, but when I was a little kid, that's what I wanted to do. Now, when I, when, you, when I grow up and have big boy dreams, I actually wanted to be a sports attorney. Like I, I was very into contract law. I was very into sports. Growing up, I was pushed in the avenue of politics or law which is odd considering my entire family is in healthcare, but I actually wanted to be a sports agent. School was not for me. We'll leave it there. <laughs> I'm still wrapping my head around, yeah. like, what is the difference between, like, a giraffe doctor and a zebra doctor, other than the species? Is there a difference in what they do? Like, how No, do no, John, I, I wanted to physically be a giraffe. No, that's what I'm saying, yeah. yeah so if I, I love giraffe as a kid. I'm an elephant doctor. Wendy's a zebra doctor. Like, it's, wow. Yep. I'm going to be thinking about this for a yeah. long time. I do not live this down at any family reunion. Everybody knows I wanted to be a giraffe doctor. Love it. <laughs> and now you've shared it with the, with the Well, let, let me remind the you. HR community. Let me remind you, the Toys R Us giraffe was Jeffrey. So I also got Jeffrey the giraffe. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Who's one person you've gained your network in the last year that you think more people should know? I'm going to say Dr. Michael Gervais. He doesn't know it. He has no idea who I am but he is a virtual mentor of mine. I highly recommend his podcast. It's called Finding Mastery. For anybody who knows sports, 
He is a clinical sports psychologist, but he specializes in the human element, the psychology of what goes into high performance and high leverage situations. So his podcasts have surgeons who have people's life in their hands for six hours on a table to Luke Walton, who's on the free throw line with two shots down one point in game seven of the NBA championship to Cal Ripken, really digging in on the human psychology and how these people deal with these intensely pressure situations. That sounds cool. I'll have to find that to find time to listen too. Well, yeah, that's the bigger issue. <laughs> there's so many, there's so many great things out there. There are, there's so much great content. Jeff, a new HR professional asks you for one piece of advice. What do you tell them? TSAOA. So let me tell you what I mean by that. It's, yeah. It's from my, a previous employer of mine did a study on what's called effective communication. And the easiest way to have effective communication is being TSAOA. You are timely, specific, accurate, objective, and actionable. And then just remind yourself, when you are giving a report or relaying information, you need to answer more questions than you are going to create. I give everybody the scenario of the, you send an email and that turns into 15 emails of questions <laughs> back and forth. That is very easily avoidable if you were just TSAOA. Did you give all the information right away or did what you send lead to more questions than you actually asked in the first place? I love that. I'm going to have to put that up by my computer because every once in a while you got to stop and, and reread that email because... It's been a few times where you get all those emails back and you're like, oh, man, wait a minute. Who did you copy? Oh, crap. (laughs) Jeff, how do you enjoy giving back to the HR community? I love mentorship. I have mentors. I have mentees. I love just talking shop. I could do this for hours and hours. Networking, putting my beliefs out there, whether I impact change or the opinion of one person, it's still giving back. At the very end, I think the most important way we could all give back to each other is find somebody that you could be that person for. So specifically in talent acquisition, I don't think our friends, our family, our loved ones really understand what we do, the pressure, the scrutiny that we are under. So TA, always under a microscope. We're only talked about when we are not delivering very little praise and having somebody that could just be your person that you can go to, that you could vent to, that you could bitch to. I call it the drama triangle. And it's calling going dead red. John, I need five minutes of your time. Here's what I need to complain about. And you just pull (laughs) me back up. You pull me out. Two days later, something else goes wrong. And it's Wendy. Here's, I just need three minutes of your time. Here's what I need Mm -hmm. to complain about. Because being that somebody's person, somebody that really gets what you are going through is without, whether you know it or not, you're really giving back. It's, a very valuable relationship, having somebody in your space that totally understands your pressures. What is your favorite movie? This changes by the hour, if not by the day. (laughs) If I had to answer right now, I could only give you two. Yeah, so I would say two of my favorite movies right now are Rounders and Life as a House. How about your favorite musician or band? Fish, hands down. There's them and everybody else. Radiohead is a close second. I don't know if we've had fish yet. We haven't. Look at me. I'm we haven't. Look at you. You're a lot. How about a favorite TV show? Oh, man. Another tough one for me. But I, I like situational dark comedy. I'm, I'm into Parks and Rec, The Office, 
Parks and Rec. I recently restarted that one. Oh, I uh, April May I redid the whole show. <laughs> it is fair to say, Jeff, that Rounders, Life is a House, Fish, all none of those have been mentioned before. No. Kudos to you. Awesome. Radiohead has come up. We certainly hear a lot about Parks and Rec in the office, yeah. and I'm not surprised. I think all of us in this business have similar appreciation for those kinds of things. If you're not watching those movies, you're not listening to Fish, not watching those shows, what else do you like to do outside of work? So believe it or not, I'm actually an introvert. I spend most of my time with my two girls and my wife. I'm very family-oriented. My social calendar, so they are eight and five. My social calendar is driven by them between Girl Scouts, birthday parties, dance class. So for fun, like we go to Target. Like that. that's our fun right now. (laughs) The little things. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very family oriented. Love it. Well, Jeff, finally, it is Jeff Shapiro Day all around the world. What are we doing to celebrate? I'm going to say we're sitting by a fire pit drinking... Some brown liquor of your choice. Listening to fish, I assume. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) My girls are all in. I think they're cooler than me. (laughs) Jeff, it sounds like a lovely way to spend a day. I'm so glad that we had a chance to connect beforehand. I'm really, really glad that you have gotten out there and started sharing. Appreciate your insights. I love what you're talking about when it comes to how, particularly how you're building your team and, and working with the less experienced folks, we hear so much about poor recruiting and let's face it, it starts at the top. People are, don't have great leaders in place that understand this and are willing to go to bat for us. It's never going to get better. So I, I'm glad you're in the place where you are not only to teach that team, but to share your knowledge with a lot of our friends and peers that are out there. Now, most of them are probably connected with you, but if they're not that have listened to the show, what's the best way for them to reach you out there? I'm super active on Twitter, Jeffrey W. Shapiro, and LinkedIn, my name. I do not have a podcast or a blog. The only way to find me is just find any of my profiles. I am happy to connect. If anybody wants to just talk, I will make time to connect, whether it's Zoom, phone. I'm always available. We will have that in the show notes. And Wendy, how about you? What's the best way for listeners to find you out there? The best way is, as always, on my blog, mydailyjourney.com. Daily is D as in dog, A-I-L-E-Y. And of course, the second and fourth Sunday of each month, you will find me on Twitter as part of our twice monthly Twitter chat. How about you, John? Quick reminder, questions for episode 149. We need them in by December 4th. Send them any way you can. Email, Twitter, Facebook. LinkedIn, through the podcast platforms. If you can figure out how to do that, that'd be great too. But for me, johntherman.com for all things John Thurman and for the show, hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com. As always, listen, rate, review, share, anything you can do to help boost our signal. We appreciate international listeners. You know the deal. Mm-hmm. We're coming for you. We want to talk more. We want to have you here just like with this conversation with Jeff and he wanted to take part in this. Hopefully he will tell you it was fairly painless <laughs> and we want, we, want, we want you to come in too. Jeff, again, appreciate being with us. So for the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast, I'm John. And I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect. Give back and network. network. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon.